So after we record today, I'm getting in my car. Actually, I'm not getting in my car. <laughs> That's ironic. I'm getting in my dad's car, and I'm driving my dad's car with a trailer to Tennessee to pick up a motor for my car, because the motor in my car is a solid piece of metal with no moving parts anymore. That sounds like a seize. <laughs> it is absolutely seized. So my language Where were you my when wife, this happened? I was at a, a soccer practice watching my kids practice soccer or something. I don't know what I was doing. I was somewhere else. My wife took the car to go pick up food for everybody and bring it back to soccer tryouts. That's where it was. Lots of soccer happening in my life lately. And uh, so she was driving it. Not her fault in any way whatsoever, but she was driving it, so I was not there. So she calls me, and she was like, the car is making – this is my, my white Land Cruiser. I love this thing. And she's like, it is making this really weird high pitch, like whining sound. And then when I slow down, it goes down. And she's like, here, listen. And then it would stop. She's like, well, okay, it's not doing it now. Just hang on. And so all this stuff. And I'm like, well, just get it back here. We'll try to figure out. You know, I'm thinking there's a belt loose or something. It's some sort of a whiny belt noise. But I can't hear it over the phone. So then she calls me and says, well, it just cut off on me in the middle of the road, and I had enough momentum to pull into this parking lot where we are, and I've got it parked and everything, but it won't crank. It won't start. So long story, a little bit shorter. I uh, had it towed to a shop that I've used before, that's worked on it before, good group of guys. And so the guy called me back and said, it looks like it dumped all of its oil at some point, and just seized <laughs> you're muted jimmy does that mean you were missing a uh, a cap like a oil pan cap i don't think so because it i had done um so here's what i think happened i don't really know who knows but it's had an oil leak since i got it which was uh, seven years six or seven years ago long time now it's had a persistent leak. And when I got it, the guy was like, yeah, it, it's always had this leak, but it's not really worth taking everything apart to fix this one leak because it's so slow. And he used a little bit heavier oil in it because uh, it's so old. And so when you use a heavier oil, you know, it doesn't leak out as quickly. And so he said, as long as you keep up with the oil changes, you're never going to get below any sort of a oil threshold that would be a bad thing. Just keep up with that. And I always have. Here's a tip by the way, uh, if you're changing your own oil, on the top of the uh, oil filter, use a silver Sharpie and write the mileage on top of it so you can always look back at the mileage of your last oil change. Mm -hmm. He taught me that, and so I've always done that since then. Um, so I've done oil changes, and I did an oil change less than 2,000 miles ago. I mean, it was like a month and a half ago. It wasn't that long. So it had oil in it, and I always, you know, keep an eye on it and I've never had an issue with it getting low like to a, a degree where it was dangerous but what I think happened was with the some outside condition you know made something shrink because it, it's gotten really hot here really quickly in the last few last week or two maybe it was something with that I don't know but I think some some seal just finally gave up and it dumped it on the road while she was driving it but she couldn't see that obviously um and then it just, she continued to drive it for a little bit with no oil in it. And I don't know how long that takes before it seizes. I don't think it would take that long, but I don't really know. Mm. So, anyway, this uh, this engine is just not good anymore. Mm. <laughs> he was like, it probably just welded itself together on the inside. And, 
you know, at that point, there's no, maybe that's rebuildable, maybe, but you would have to completely go all the way down to find out if it's rebuildable. And at that point, you've already got a lot of, you know, labor into it. You've got machining into it and all that type of stuff. So I found through the Land Cruiser groups on Facebook, there's a bunch of like kind of regional and state groups and stuff. <clears throat> I found a guy in Tennessee who has one for 400 bucks. Needs to be rebuilt. But uh, he he got the whole thing just for the transmission. He took the transmission off of it. So I'm going to drive down there today, pick up a motor on a trailer, which is, I feel totally out of my depth. <laughs> like I, <laughs> I have no idea what I'm doing. But he seems to know what he's doing. So he's going to go put this thing on the trailer. I'm going to drive it back to the shop. The guy's going to take it off. He's going to take it to a machine shop. They're going to rebuild it, bring it back to his shop, and then he's going to install it. And so that's the plan. And I have no idea how long any of that stuff is going to take. And he can't give me an answer either. But, yeah, it's going to take a long time. But I don't know if that's like, are we talking weeks, months? Is it maybe next year I'll have the thing back up and running? I don't. I'd say maybe next year. (laughs) (sighs) I mean, if you want it faster, you just got to pay more. That's all. Yeah. Like have it jump to the top of the, the pile. Yeah. So in the meantime, the Carmagia is the main driver then. (laughs) <laughs> the one that's in two pieces <laughs> spread out filleted in my shop uh yeah so i don't really have a uh another vehicle to drive around in at the moment and that's been over the last week the reason we didn't record last week is because all of this stuff was happening and i just was trying to figure out how to get it to the shop at the time and, and all this stuff and so, so are they going to rebuild the motor while it's uh while the car is at your property so they're going to do it all out of the car yeah, they're gonna. T- I'm dropping the motor off, and he's gonna take it to the machine shop. They're gonna do it all there, yeah. and then I'll bring the vehicle. He'll bring the motor to when they're the, ready for the implant. Yeah, yeah, just do it all there. Um, and the good thing is, I mean that that vehicle is there's a lot of room under the hood, so it's not some really tight, compact. You know, got to wiggle everything in. Like you can lift the entire thing out without doing a whole lot. So I, I think once it's rebuilt getting it put back in. I think he said it was going to be 12 or 13 hours of labor for installing. That doesn't seem like a whole lot to me, uh, but I don't know. So in the meantime, I don't really have another vehicle that I can drive. So I'm trying to figure that out. I'm, uh, I just ordered new tires for the Vespa. So I'm going to try to see if I can get the Vespa to start up, maybe use that to get around town and Oh, well stuff like that. So that's what I've been up to. Does what that fire up to? No, it does not fire up. So that's a whole other like. Oh. <laughs> I just it's funny. My my brother has been staying with me uh, during the work week. He's been kind of taken over for taken up for Aaron's space, and uh, he's between gigs, so he's hanging out here. And I'm just having because he's good with engines, so I'm having him fix everything that I've been delinquent with, including the Vespa. And I put gas and new stuff, uh, new battery in the Vespa recently. Not actually, I did not put new gas in it because that's part of the story, and. Every time I go for a ride, the minute I need to give it throttle, it dies or it slowly begins to die. So I can't get over like two miles an hour. I go to give it and it dies. So I said to him, I go, see if you can figure that out. Took apart the fuel filter. That wasn't it. Took out the spark plug. Couldn't tell any difference. Took And then at one point, he literally has, I'm going to look over and the carburetor's in pieces on the table. I'm like, what? He goes, I'm looking. I want to see. And he found a little piece of foam rubber in the float that was like some sort of filter that had come out. Puts everything back together and it still does the same thing. 
Now, I said to him, I go, did you change the gas? He goes, well, no. I said, the gas is six years old from New York City. I said, I thought, I told him one of the first things. I said, you probably have to change the gas, see what's wrong with it. That was one of the first things I said to him, but he ignored me. And so I could tell it was like about a half a tank, but I had fresh gas. So I was like, well, let's just take our chances. So we mixed fresh gas with the, with the dirty gas, and the thing runs perfect. Hmm. Oh, everything he did to it probably helped. Yeah. <clears throat> like the stall thing wasn't nearly as much, but it was still stalling after the carburetor breakdown. And, uh, but once we put new gas on it, it's been perfect. He's, he's been zipping around on it. He's been using it more than me. Well, I just took it for a test ride, but he's been zipping around on it for fun. So I have a question about that. You, you had that Vespa when you were in the city, and it makes mm-hmm. sense to have a vehicle like that in the city. But you mm-hmm. have not lived in the city for a long time. This is five years, six years. What ago. made you keep that and bring just it up? Just for nostalgia. You know, mm-hmm. I mean, if, if I sold it, what would I sell it for a couple thousand dollars at the most and you know, yeah. turn around and buy something I don't need anyway? So. <laughs> <laughs> just for nostalgia. And then ta- Taylor enough. got her motorcycle license uh, while we've been up here, but she hasn't really exercised that right. She hasn't really had a motorcycle. So I'm really fixing the Vespa up for her. She's mm-hmm. anxious to get a motorcycle, and I don't want her to get one. To be honest, uh, so that's why I bought that broken down motorcycle at a garage sale for two hundred bucks years ago. The Honda for her to take apart, and we took it all apart. And now my brother, I said to him, "I go, you want to do something?" I said, "See if you can get that Honda running, just so we could either turn around and sell it, or Taylor could still wrench on it, but practice driving it at least in the. It needs new brakes and rubber. Every like it's the thing has been sitting in a garage since nineteen eighty five, but it was a full complete Honda. Uh, I think four fifty or something. It's a fairly large bike but everything is there every nut and bolt everything hmm. it hasn't been molested until we got it and taylor immediately is like i'm going to chop this fender and cut this and make this leather and i'm like do whatever you want it was 200 bucks go go to town hmm. and uh, we took it all apart and we had trouble with the electrical system and so we just said forget at least i said forget it and she bought some parts and so joey's in there going to try and get it going but it's just frustrating dealing with old things and i said to taylor at one point i was like you know we're not teenagers anymore, at least I'm not. I said, like, you could open up Facebook Market and, you know, you Google one Honda CB early 70s and then suddenly you're inundated with them, you know, within a 100-mile radius. Yeah. I paid $200 for this bike. It's a great parts bike for somebody that is into this. Um, but you can get, like, a perfectly good-running Honda CB, you know, in really good shape, maybe original, maybe restored, you know, for three or $4,000. It's not, it's not going to break the bank, really. Yeah. And so I was like, there's all your labor in trying to figure this out. I said, you could just go buy it. Because she really likes the style. I was like, just find one and I'll buy you one. Well, it's kind of yeah. like like a lot of other things that we've talked about in the past, you know, like 3D printers. Do you want to work on a 3D printer or do you want to print things on a 3D printer? Because, you know, do you want to ride the bike or do you want to work on a bike? Because those are right. two mm-hmm. individual, but maybe you want to do both. But they're individual right. pursuits, you know. I mean, I'm I'm realizing now that I enjoy working on that stuff more than I really thought that I did in the past. So, I have a my perspective on on vehicles at least has changed a little bit. I find myself more interested in playing with them than actually driving them. Yeah. I, I honestly do. You know, I fiddle around on the hearse and this and that, and then it's like go for a ride. I'm like, yeah, I'm fine. It runs good. <laughs> <laughs> do you trust Wait, it when you take it out? Uh, not lately, but that's the problem. Like the, the hearse, I haven't driven because it's got a, r- a radiator problem in the uh, water pump. So I got to take, the, I got to break down the whole front of the motor, which is annoying. Mm. I thought it was just the, the the radiator core. 
Um, a funny thing the other day, I didn't do any stories on this, but my buddy Art Clement, Art, he's on Instagram at some of my stories. Art came over and he took apart the carburetor for the little green truck. He took it completely apart, put it back together. And it was running really good. It still runs good, but now it sounds different. But after the story, so I got in it the other day to move it and pumped the gas a bunch of times and then started it and it wouldn't start. And so then I hit it with a starter fluid and it was running, running, running. And then like, boom, the loudest backfire I ever heard ever in my life. And I thought, oh man, I just blew the motor. And uh, the, there was a backfire into the muffler, and the muffler has exploded like a can. And the muffler is new. I put a whole new muffler system oh. on it about a year and a half ago. So the muffler has exploded along the seam line, just like a, a can, a frozen beer can. Like <laughs> did, it, did it backfire because of the starting fluid? Well, I said to our cold Art, I'm like, thanks for the tune-up, Art. And he laughed. He goes, he goes, well, what did you do? He goes, I know you. He goes, did you pump the gas 50 times and then try and start mm-hmm. it? I go, yeah. He goes, well, that's the problem. He goes, you can't, you can't load the heads with gasoline and then expect it to run okay. He goes, you got to be more gentle than that. And he goes, he goes, did you douse it with starter fluid like you like to do? I laughed. I said, no, I just I watched you do it because he was doing it when he was here. He's going, me and Mike. And you just did that a little bit like 100 times. So anyway, and I, I started it a couple more times, like wondering, is like, is it only running on two cylinders? Because it's a six cylinder. I'm like, is it, is the engine destroyed? I can't really tell. It seems to be running fine. It just sounds different. Hmm. Actually, it's, it's staying running better now, I guess, because it's got more of a free flow muffler. <laughs> yeah, you just blow yeah, everything. You out. just help the airflow. So well, one of the things I need to do on my to-do list is cut up, cut the muffler out and go get a new one and just weld the other one back in. So the, this whole, like, car thing, you know, I've talked about this a lot over the past year or so, that my my new interest in cars is still really surprising, even to me, um, that I, I'm willing to put in work to these old things, you know, and I'm interested in trying to figure, understand out more how they work and all that type of stuff. But it really dawned on me the other day because I dropped this thing, the Land Cruiser off at the shop and was waiting for the guy to call me back, and he calls back. And, and I have, at this point, no idea what's wrong with the thing. I just know it wouldn't start. And um, so he calls back and <laughs> answer the phone. He goes, how much do you love this car? Oh, boy. Uh, <laughs> and I was like, I knew you were going to say something like that. Because I felt that, you know, that means it's really bad. But I also was confronted with, I actually do love that car. Like, oh, I, yeah. I don't want to let that thing go. And I'm not, obviously, I'm not going to put like an endless amount of money into it, but I'm willing to put money into it to keep that thing on the road. And he kind of agreed. He said, you know, I've never seen one around here that's in this good a shape. It's not rusted out. And like, you don't see these very often and all that type of stuff. But it was the first time I had to kind of say out loud, like, I, I do love a car. <laughs> and I would be fine if it was gone. It's not like that. But like, I, I'm willing to put in stuff to, you know, to keep this thing alive. So. I, that was- I have a hard time enjoying driving the Impala because it always feels, it just feels like I'm going to get stranded somewhere. I can never <laughs> just like... That's the feeling. The same with me. I hate that. I, 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 like, uh, I'll take it to Home Depot and I'll go pick up some things. But is this the time that I'm going to get stuck at Home Depot and, mm. and it's not going to start? So I don't know. I just, I don't trust it yet. What do you think it would take for you to trust it? Drive across the country. Uh, yeah, not a chance. I mean, do you think is there like something specific, like fixable, or is it just a general? I don't know it well enough. There's, um, well, it did it did catch on fire day one. 
<laughs> well, there's um, that. <laughs> there was there was that. So that's probably where the trust issues come from. Yeah, Every yeah. once in a while, it misses. It like it's it's kind of hard to explain, but it, it feels like it, it misses. That's the that's what's going on. It, it, it feels like the engine is shutting off for a brief second and kicks back on. That happens once every ten drives. It'll do that. And <clears throat> my uncle, who had it before me, said somebody told him it could be like a stuck valve. I'm like, okay. So th- there, there is. I, I just don't trust it. That's all. I, I need <laughs> if I have somebody look at it and go through it. Maybe we do a rebuild someday. I don't know. But a, a thorough investigation would help me trust it. Yeah, yeah makes sense. I was driving uh, this past week. I was driving somebody else's vehicle, and it's a Forerunner from the i don't know what year it is it's really nice and i'm i they let me borrow it so i'm driving it around and then he calls and he was like hey has it done the traction control thing yet on you like uh no (laughs) he said when it turns right randomly sometimes the traction control will just kick in and it feels like the car is trying to run away from you all of a sudden i don't remember how he said it but it was he was like it's not you if that happens and so then i'm from then on, I'm like driving this car going like, I, I don't trust. I feel like it's about to try to kill me all of a sudden. And I don't know what he means yet. And I don't know what it feels like and all this stuff. So then I'm in my neighborhood and I forget about it. I go to make a right turn from a stop. Wheels just turn to the right. And I try to pull out. And all of a sudden the car is like, yeah, <laughs> it like locked all the wheels and moved everything and then let go. And it was terrifying. And so from then on, the whole time I was driving the car, I'm like, oh, man, it's going to do that thing again. And I'm going to feel like I'm going to break this guy's car. And I, yeah, it was, I didn't trust it. I gave it back because <laughs> I didn't want to drive it anymore. But There's nothing like a brand new car. And that's why I always just drive my car until I trade it in and get a new one. I'm on mm-hmm. like my third new truck in a row. It's exciting. It's exciting. We decided that with, with our family car. I mean, like we have a Suburban and every... Maybe not every car. Most of the cars that we've had as a family before this were like, you know, we'll buy a used van. It's going to get super used anyway, so we'll buy a used van. We didn't have any problems with it, but this was finally the one where, like, okay, our kids are older. They don't, like, barf on everything all the time or, like, cause as much of a mess. And so we're going to get, like, a new car. And it has been fantastic to know that it's trusted. It can get worked on. You know, it's under warranty, all that type of stuff. It makes a pretty big difference, but... It also is a lot more expensive. So. I'm on a lease with my truck, and it ends next May. And I'm getting all the letters in the mail saying, now's a good mm-hmm. time to turn in your lease. You can, and But I don't know what I want to do yet. I might. I really like it. I might just buy it. Who knows? We'll see. It's funny. When it comes to leases, I, I kind of did the math once, and, and I beat up things so badly because I could have leased any uh, of these trucks. But then I would have spent my whole life worrying whether I scratched it or not you know, for the buyback. And so I buy them, and I, my experience, you turn them in, and it's just like a lease anyway. I mean, I think the only difference is it's like not tax deductible as much as much as something like that. But if you buy the car, use it, and you tell your dealer you're interested in maybe getting a new car, they will literally bend over backwards to make sure that you trade that car into them and get a new car. Mm-hmm. Because they need that number more than they need the money. <laughs> and it's what it seems like anyway. I'm not a car dealer. I don't know the math behind car dealerships, but... I know that if I went to my car dealership today and said, would you be interested in taking this as a trade-in? It's got exactly 100,000 miles on it. I sideswiped the pole. It's beat up. It's a little sunburnt inside. The seat is ripped. 
but it still looks like a brand new truck from five feet away. They would bend over backwards, and I'd probably get considerable amount of money as a trade-in. All, all growing up, I was told that leases were bad. Don't don't lease. You should you should buy. And so that I've always lived by that. But my last three vehicles have been leases because I, I would find myself just getting a new car every five years when. As soon yeah. as, as soon as I paid it off, I'm like, oh, I might as well get a lease and just know that I'm going to get a new car every two or three years. I, I, I like that. Well. My only concern is I just don't ever want to have to worry about scratching the car. Because my buddy, my old business partner had a, a lease. And every time we had to go do something, he happened to have, like, the good new car. This is 20 years ago. I'd be like, hey, can we go? And he'd be like, I, I can't put miles on my car. I'm at the end of my lease. And so he, like, literally would drive mm. his car, like, two miles a day because he was already over and every dollar was uh-huh. every you know, so those type of restrictions always turn me off to the idea of getting a lease. I'd rather just. I don't drive much, so I'm. I'm totally yeah, yeah. Know what I'm saying. I, I just there's certain things for me that wouldn't be attractive for a lease. And then I realized, I mean, it's the same exact thing as just trading your car, and at the end of it, but you're not obligated to all these contractual things. You can keep it if you want. Like this year, if I do get a new car, I might end up keeping my old truck anyway. I might not trade it, and I might just get a new car. Well, I'm kind of thinking about getting a new car, a new truck. But I would just get a different truck for different capabilities and keep this one as a daily driver. And the one I would get would be huh. more. So you'd have four trucks? I, yeah, yeah. I have 18 trucks. Then. It, it just dawned on me that you treat trucks like you treat computers, where you need That's one right. for this purpose. And this <laughs> That's purpose right. No, I want a truck. I, mean, I need a truck for because I have a trailer that is a very large capacity trailer. And for my, for my 15 Chevy 1500, it is my Chevy's underpowered. My model is underpowered for that. So if I take that trailer out with something heavy on it, my truck is complaining to me the whole time. Hmm. It's like, why did you do this to me? That's what it's telling me when I watch the <laughs> gas meter. Because I'll use, I'll get like five miles to the gallon, maybe less, if I'm pulling the trailer. Because it's, it's underpowered. So I want to get something for just, and then also considering, you know, the farm is, is shaping up. We want something that can pull a horse trailer. Right now, we don't have really anything that could pull a horse trailer. To get another horse. <laughs> and, uh, yeah, get a horse to pull a horse trailer would be a good yeah. idea. Team great. of horses. Yeah. How powerful is one horse? Uh, just one. <laughs> just one. One horse. <laughs> one horsepower. <laughs> I'm not even a dad. <laughs> <laughs> so, I don't know. We'll see what the year brings. We'll see what the year brings. But, you know, uh, as far as I posted the video of the porch... Bob, you just asked me what we're up to, even though you yeah. didn't. Um, I posted the video of the porch, and it's like been my best video in the last 10 videos, so it's exciting, because really? Taylor constantly keeps saying, home restoration videos will do well, home restoration, so I did it, and she's like, I told you, home restoration videos are going to do well. She is absolutely right. And uh, yeah, and I, I'm like, of all the comments, I'm not getting completely crucified for doing a bad carpentry job, because it's the type of thing I don't like showing, because I, I always do these backwards ways of solving problems. But I'm getting quite, quite complimented in my approach and my, my structure. So thank you. Thank you. So that's interesting. Uh, the video, you know, every time I put out a video, I'm like, man, this might be the end of it. This, maybe, this is it. maybe this is the end of the road. <laughs> you put a video out and, you know, it gets 50,000 views in a week. And you're like, okay, maybe this is it. But I don't know, maybe I'm back. I still also have the, the videos where I built two barbecues for a client. And he's a little nervous for me to post it yet. So those videos are, the video is actually done. I'm just waiting for him to give me a thumbs up on that. And I'm working on the boat video. The boat's moving along pretty quickly. But uh, I took a break this week to work on the go-kart, 
which I want to have ready for July 3rd mm. at my racetrack here in East Durham. We're having like an open house. Anybody wants to come and bring a crazy go-kart? You know, I've had some guys uh, buy go-karts on the ride over. You know, they stopped in Facebook market. Oh, and go, I don't know. I bought it yesterday. I don't know. We'll see if it works. <laughs> so, uh, you know, it's just That's bring fun. anything along. It's kind of like, what is that crazy thing where people jump off the dock into the water? You ever see that thing where people jump off a oh, dock? Yeah. And, like the the Red Bull Flutog? I think it's something called. like that. Yeah, yeah. So this, I want this to kind of shape up to be that. So that's why I'm making my go-kart in a coffin theme, just kind of as a joke. Well, if you're going to die, die in a coffin. Yeah, right. When I was talking with Elm City Dave, and he says, he goes, are you going to make a go-kart this year? And I was like, you know what? I think I, I might I might just go get a donor for the parts. I'll just go find a frame because there's lots on Facebook Market. So then I turned to my brother, and he says, yes, it's not very makery of you to go and buy something that you could just probably make from that pile of metal that you have over there. I was like, oh, all right. And so I had this loose idea of a coffin shape. And I like the peer pressure in the maker community right there. Though. Yeah, it was like it was like an hour later where I had the, it was like an hour later where I had the frame all laid out on the table. I was like talking to Dave and like an hour later, I had the thing set up on the table after a two second conversation with my brother. We were going to open up Facebook market, pick pick a guy that lives within the vicinity and go buy his go kart. And then I was going to modify it. But I'm really glad I started from scratch. Because I'm not, the engineering is just in space. It's not engineering dealing with what's there. What did you so do for the front end geometry? That's the toughest well, I part. Bought, I bought uh, all the stuff and I just did what looks like I'm supposed to do. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> it seems to work. Okay. I haven't been going fast. You know, every other comment is, you got to do the Ackerman tilt, blah, 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 yeah, blah, blah, yeah. Ackerman, 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 Ackerman. I'm like, I know. <laughs> no. <laughs> See it again, I know. <laughs> and so Ackerman, 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 Ackerman can make anything, fix anything, anytime, Ackerman. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> now you know how the rest of us feel about Duresta. Because every time we all do anything, the comments are like, yeah, but Duresta, 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 Duresta. So, <laughs> so I can take it, I can, once I get a, take it for a ride, and I realize I need to change the geometry. I will literally take a slitting angle grinder, slit the metal with a wrench, bend it in the right direction, and weld. Hmm. And I can't test drive it till I get the motor up and running. Ackerman, test drive Ackerman, <laughs> Ackerman. You got to get that Ackerman angle just right. Test drive Ackerman. Camber, so caster. Ackerman. You got all that to worry about. Camber, caster, Ackerman, Ackerman. Toe. Camber, caster, you got toe caster, in there. Ackerman. Yeah. Those are your, toe, those are your four things. Caster, Ander, Capper, yep. Capperman, Ander, Anderson. <laughs> Anderson. <laughs> Anderson Cooper. Yeah. So uh, once I get it for a test ride, I'll be able to adjust that. But I can I can adjust the toe. You know, the, what are those the, the things that connect the the, the tie rods into the, the tie rods? I can adjust them. I had to shorten it all. And I said this several times on Instagram. When you go to these these pages, obviously, if you're not in the know, it's like walking into a lumberyard and saying, "Can I have wood?" You know, they're like, all right, well, what kind of wood? And then all of a sudden you get blown up in the air like Monty Python when you're at the bridge. <laughs> so going to these websites, you buy a wheel, you buy a hub, you know, like, it's like, oh, there's three holes in that picture. Oh, there's three holes in that picture. And you get it and one's for a wheel that's like 10 inches and you bought a wheel that's only six inches. And none of that seems to be explicitly laid out, at least not that I, with my attention span of a gnat, can look at. I mean, if somebody was able to read all that stuff, it might make sense to them, but not to me. So I got all these parts. So the front end geometry 
ended up to being like 50 inches wide. The back end geometry is like 40 inches wide. So I ended up shortening all the parts for the front to bring the front wheelbase in skinnier. The back is still about three inches skinnier than the front after all that, but it's looks, it actually looks pretty cool. It doesn't, does not look awkward. Um, so it's, uh, it's coming again. So I had to cut and re-weld all that stuff. Ackerman welded, fixed Ackerman. Ackerman. <laughs> Tie rods welded, shortened, welded, shortened, welded out, fixed. You sound like me trying to talk about cars like I know anything about cars. <laughs> don't, don't forget no. to... Tie rod, uh, V8. Don't forget about your pressure angle. Yeah. Well, you know what it is? My theory is like, for instance, like I talked about Art Clement. Art could make a go-kart that could, you know, do two-second quarter miles. I can't do that, but I know I could make a go-kart go. So when I, what mm-hmm. I lack in performance, I make up for in, in concept and style, I like to think. So that's why I'm cutting out spider webs and <laughs> welding spider webs. So. Oh, nice. Doesn't have to go fast. Oh, that makes yeah. sense now. I saw the uh, 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 I saw the, saw the spiderweb cuts, and I was like, I wonder what he's going to use that yeah. for. And then I just saw the uh, go kart coffin frame the day before. So, it, yeah, it now yeah, yeah. So I'm going to do like all these little like uh, horror themes, yeah. just like a Dracula. Uh, uh, the monsters, just like yeah. I mean, it's monster inspired, not monster. Everyone keeps thinking I'm making exactly. If you see the monster, it's more of a. It's not a toe pincher coffin. It's more of a, just a straight coffin, but it has like a huge uh, engine in the front. So I'm just doing it for fun. Just simply just for fun. I'm not actually planning on being buried in it. <laughs> well, like, go-karts are stupid and dangerous, so you might be. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> we'll see. It's going to be fun. Well, David, what about you? Well, I just made a new workbench. It's, uh, it's mm. all out of two-by-fours. It, 14 two-by-fours cost less than 100 bucks, And... Uh, this is, it's kind of an unusual purpose, but I wanted a workbench for the outdoors. So right now it, it lives behind my shop, but sometimes I just want to work outside and now I have a nice heavy duty, beefy workbench to do that. I took my old vice off and put it on the, on the new workbench. This was, this video was sponsored by that, that battery company that we talked about a couple weeks ago. And so mm-hmm. I loaded up that battery generator and on the back of the truck and powered the planer and miter saw and the air compressor. And so we did it all off the grid, and it came out really cool. Awesome. That power pack is really convenient to have. It is. I see more and more people playing with them. Yeah, it's, it's, it's really nice. I've been using one for a couple of years with the go-kart trailer, which powers the lights and the, and the air compressor. And so when they were like, hey, we want to sponsor a video, and I'm like, I already use your product, so this is this is perfect. And they sent me oh, an yeah. even bigger one. So if we ever lose power to the house, we should be good for a few hours. Cool. I love it when that works out, when somebody wants to sponsor you and you already yeah. like, use their yeah. stuff. It makes it so much easier. Yeah. So, so I showed, like in to- the it, for the ad read, I showed photo or a little bit of video of my go-kart trailer one which is just covered in oil and go-kart dirt and it's just been abused and never knew it was going to end up in an ad read so it's it looks it looks awful but it can take a beating that's awesome so i think that workbench will be the next video i also have that drink stand that i was showing you guys the other day that 
because that one took so many tries to get right and I have so much footage and I was getting frustrated with the tries I wasn't talking during the build I was just setting up a camera and, and doing it so now I have to do a, a voiceover which is not something I normally do in my videos but for this one I want to kind of explain what's going on and so maybe I'm using that as an excuse to not finish the video because I have to approach the video in a different way you know what I'm talking about yeah yeah oh yeah yep oh yeah <clears throat> So I got two videos uh, ready to go. I'm not sure which gonna which one's gonna come out next. Cool. But I'm really happy with both of them. Both of those projects are super cool. Hmm. So I'm hoping I'm hoping for some successful views. Cool. I realized yesterday. I mean, in in conversation, that I I can't. I didn't think too hard about it, but I can't remember the last like woodworking project I made. Like just a, a thing that can, I, can sit in front of me, or oh, could be yeah. on the floor or on a table. That's just like you know. I feel like lately, all of the things I've been doing have been a little more specific, or kind of you know, in different places or different scales or whatever. And kind of like to come up with a couple of little woodworking ideas to do. I I don't have anything that I need, and that's always been the impetus for right. projects, as if it serves a purpose. And so it's hard to just like look around and look for a what haven't I done yet that I need to replace or fix or, you know, but it may be time to take something that I did a long time ago. Like I have a, like a bedside table. It was one of my first welding projects. It may have been the first time I ever welded. I don't remember. And, uh, it's just like a steel tube, like a square tube frame with some barn wood for the shelves and stuff. And it still looks nice. I still use it. Works fine. Um, but it may be time to take something like that and just donate it and then make a different style you know hmm. yes I, I haven't done anything like that in a while it's i have no connection to my past projects so when i go to remake something i just want to just drop it off at the salvation army or the goodwill and kelly's like why would you do that i'm like because i can make a new one yeah I, like somebody else can enjoy it. absolutely no connection with my projects once once i'm done with them so I did a, kind of a weird thing this week that I'm not connected to, but it was still kind of fun. Let me show you guys this thing. You won't know what it is, so I don't expect that. But Oh, it's Star Trek. <laughs> <laughs> no, so I made this, this sword, this prop sword from a cartoon. And so the source material is from a cartoon called Adventure Time, which is... Super that was weird. Gonna be my first guess. <laughs> yeah, I'm sure it was. Um, it's a super weird cartoon, and it's really inexact. So every frame, the characters look pretty different, and like have different shaped noses and faces, and the the weapons. He, this guy carries swords all the time, and the swords are always a little bit different. So I wasn't having to follow anything really closely, but me and the kids watched this show. I thought it'd be fun to make the sword, and. So I ended up looking for a reason a long time for to uh, looking for a reason for a long time to make the sword and finally found a little hot wire cutter like a styrofoam cutter on Amazon mm -hmm. a few weeks back and I'm like oh I've always wanted to try one of those so I just ordered this cheap little like oh I should just try it. And so that was the reason for me to try to make the sword. I decided to make it out of styrofoam and try to use this hot wire cutter to shape kind of a strange strangely shaped sword and then i realized that well if it's styrofoam i have to make it more rigid and give it a better surface texture i've always wanted to try fiberglass and i haven't done that yet so the whole idea was 
hot wire cutter, cut this thing out and get its profile and three-dimensional shapes everywhere, and then fiberglass the whole thing to give it a hard, flatter surface. And nobody told me that fiberglass is really difficult and not fun <laughs> and gross. Thanks for that, Jimmy, for not telling I was me that. Tell you, I didn't realize you were starting so soon. I'm just kidding. But, yeah, I, I learned a whole lot really quickly about it. I'm not sure if it's going to come through in the video because uh, it was uh, – I, I just don't know. We, I, I haven't seen the edit yet, so I'm not sure how much I actually said and how much I thought because I was doing a lot of it by myself. <laughs> mm-hmm. But uh, it was one of those things where as soon as I started doing the fiberglass on the outside of this thing, I realized immediately what I was doing wrong, and I had the wrong – I had the wrong fiber. I was using sheets and strips, and I should have just been using the loose fibers to get in all yeah. the shapes. The and problem is none of that bends corners if you think you're going to wrap it around exactly. the corner. you got to yeah. just do like a flat surface and then let it cure and then do another flat surface and let it cure or just expect everything to be super messy. Yeah. Especially when you're trying to wrap over corners, there's mm-hmm. going to be a bulge. Something's not going to stay stuck against something. Which is exactly the problem with this, what I learned yeah. right off the bat. Because the blade You could also like wait a- till it gels up quite a bit, so then you're like quite... Literally sticking mm. it against, oh, yeah. like, tacky epoxy. And then that's also messy, too. So I also learned that I should have painted the resin down and then soaked the fibers and put it on a painted surface, a resined surface. Because I was just trying to, like, put it on... Whatever. I, I learned a lot. <laughs> um, I, I also learned that the polyester resin that people use for fiberglass dissolves styrofoam. So oh, I had to, and I did a test with that. So I, I, I wanted, I kind of had a feeling that was the case. And so I did a test on some scrap and found that out and then realized that, um, for styrofoam or, um, yeah, I guess it was just styrofoam. There's a certain type of foam and I can't remember the word off the top of my head, but you have to use epoxy and, and it works just the same. It's just, a, the cure times are longer and stuff like that. So. I reached out to uh, somebody at Total Boat and asked them, you know, kind of, here's the situation, like, which of your products do you think would be the best for for using with fiberglass? And she was like, oh, it's well, it's this one, and we've got this, and we've got this, and we've got all the things, you know. They're great. Yeah. Um, I- but luckily, I already had what I needed from them here to just give it a shot. And so, what were you going to say, David? I reached out to Total Boat maybe two years ago about doing a fiberglass cart body. And they said, yes, we would love to. So they sent me all the stuff. And then I never did it. And then I felt really bad for not not doing anything. And so, like, months go by. And uh, they reached out. And they're like, hey, um, let us know if you need any product. I'm like, well, I've been, I'm super embarrassed that I never did the fiberglass thing. And they're like, don't worry about it. So I have all of this fiberglass stuff to do fiberglass stuff. But I've never, I've never touched it. So. Maybe your video will will encourage me to do so, <laughs> or not. Or not. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. They're, they're totally one. they're totally laid back at Total Boat. I love you working as long them. as you want yeah. to do a project. They they wouldn't they wouldn't hold it against yeah. you. Yeah. As far as the fiberglass thing, I I realized in that moment as soon as I started it that I needed I needed to start it in a different scenario. I need like like doing a body or something like that where the point is fiberglass, not that's a part of a bigger thing. Mm-hmm. You have to. I I would have to start with that so I could just focus on that one thing because it it is a lot to. It's super messy. As soon as you start, you're like, oh, I can't touch anything, but I have to touch everything. And 
yeah. So I, I think I need to pick another another project that is just about the fiberglass thing or you know something else that's made already and then the video is or the day or two days that I'm doing it is just about adding that layer to it or whatever the you know more focused so by the way you want a tip if you're working with epoxy or anything super super sticky like maybe your hands are completely submerged in some type of glue one thing that helps is to keep a a full tub of baby powder nearby so that you could unstick your hands and make sure oh. it doesn't interfere with what your finished work is but if you're going to be say for instance like when i do the boat and i fiberglass the whole boat you turn around anything you touch will become your hands like flypaper so if you need to touch something douse your hands in baby powder and you can immediately hmm. or obviously switch your gloves out immediately put new gloves on but while you're in the gloves having baby powder nearby helps That's a good tip. eliminate hmm. the sticky when you need it quickly that's a great tip. Cool. And that's our show. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I mean, that's that sword is really the thing that I've been working on uh, mostly. We, we've we been over at Anthony's house doing uh, some work in his kitchen, and that'll be for next week. But uh, I've been bouncing back and forth this week between his house and my house to work on this sword. And so it, I think that's been a little bit of a strange thing to where I don't feel like I'm really focused on doing a project. I'm just bouncing all over the place, dealing with the car stuff, and then trying to, like, cut some foam. And then I go over to his house and work on his kitchen and then come back and try to do fiberglass for two minutes, you know, and then go back to trying to figure out the car. And Bob, how are you cutting that foam so it's perpendicular? Are you hand-cutting it or laser-cutting it? Or? Um, so this hot wire it's so cutter. so deep. It looks like a two-inch deep. Yeah, so I laminated, started by laminating four sheets, because I already had this half-inch pink foam stuff. So I laminated up four sheets with a dowel embedded down the middle of it, so it has a little mm-hmm. bit of strength. And then um, this wire cutter is a handle with kind of a like different ends that can be plugged into it, and one of them is a like a half circle. And so the yep. wire cutter is you know straight across, and then the holder for it is a half circle. And so to get these long, flat-ish cuts, I started with a square stock of styrofoam, drew center lines on all four sides, and then uh, used the hot wire basically to connect the center line on the top with the center line on the side. So I plunged it in to where I was touching those, and then I just drug it down the length of the blade, making sure that I was trying to hit those center lines the whole time. Mm Mm-hmm. And I did that on all four sides. And that gave, it's pretty close to a diamond-shaped profile. It's not perfect, obviously. But once I did the first, I really only did one coat of fiberglass because I realized that I did not have what I needed to do it correctly and to fill all the gaps and get it smooth, even with multiple coats. So I have a layer of fiberglass with a bunch of voids. And then I came back with glazing putty and filled in those voids. And that helped me also even out the overall length, uh, you know, the, the face of each one of these sides of the blade does that make sense yeah what mm-hmm. what foam are you using is it insulation foam mm-hmm. yep. and then Depot pink what is uh what's the method for laminating what do you use to glue them together i used spray adhesive okay um and i think i don't i think it worked fine but i think i didn't use enough because there were some voids that started to open up as i was cutting it you know i would kind of as I was cutting through, I would I would go into an area that didn't stick as well, and then it would start to open up underneath mm. it. So I think 
in the future just I mean, you know, you know how Super seventy seven is, like if you use it once then it's clogged. The nozzle's clogged yeah. for the rest of the life, yeah. your life. And so it wasn't an even spray. And I think taking the time there to laminate that more evenly to get it each piece really stuck together all the way across would give you a better surface. I also think that I started too thick. I should have done maybe three pieces thick instead of four. And so it's just bulkier. The wire had to cut through more depth than every given pass and stuff. So I learned a lot. I, I hope that stuff comes through in the video. I'm like, so when I'm you make, sure. when you make something like that, that has lots of detail, cause Bob just held it up and it's a, it's a big profile with some cut through imagery. I like read right at the, uh, the hand guard. If you were going to, if I was going to approach that, for instance, I would maybe think about using the bandsaw, but you can cut your design completely apart mm-hmm. because you have the luxury of being able to glue it all back together during your fiberglass stage. So sometimes people get wrapped up in the idea that they have to cut out the inside of a shape with some method when you're going to completely glue it back together and finish the whole thing with a whole new finish. You can cut your design completely apart, cut out all the necessary voids and then glue it all back together. And then yeah. epoxy it and you know so you have that luxury. So sometimes people don't see that you, know, you can't see the forest through the trees so to speak because you think you need to cut inside there. You don't realize you're going to be ba- you're going to be able to bury all your cut lines in the next subsequent finishes. So I've done that with the bandsaw. And I, yeah, that's a, it, that's a good way to it, go. In, in wood, when I need to cut a circle from the inside, I will just cut it in half, cut out each half on the bandsaw, right. and then glue it back together along right. the lines, and you, and you don't you don't really see it. Actually, Dave, I watched one of your videos recently when you made the <clears throat> the router bowls. You did the video a while ago, yeah. but I remember in there when you you cut the piece of paper completely in half and put yeah. an open facing thing in one side and the other open facing thing on the other cut them apart then brought them back together open to open to make your template yeah that was a really interesting idea same kind of idea but you just started with the piece of paper pattern cut in half i ended up kind of doing the cutoff thing on this like the end of the the cross guard has these little circular shapes on them and i think the initial cuts on those just were not good enough they weren't defined enough so i cut them off remade them separately in foam and then just hot glued them on and yeah it's going to get a coat of epoxy over the whole thing to kind of lock it together so i did kind of do that the internal shapes and the the cross guard has these cutouts that are just internal kind of like in a cross shape i just have to see it but this hot wire cutter another one of the attachments was just a wand and so the cool thing about that one is that you could just plunge it down through it's like a four inch wand too so you could plunge it down and then just kind of draw it out, and then the whole section just kind of dropped out the bottom. It was pretty cool. The The wire cutter I could definitely see being really, really beneficial for sculpting. Have you ever done anything with that, with one of those, Jimmy? It we, seems like something funny. you would do a lot. You could use we, a lot. We just recovered uh, all the stuff in the storage for the television show, and I brought back a toolbox that was in the storage unit down the road and opened it up, and it's just all wire foam cutting tools. Mm. So all the tools you're describing are in the drawer right here by me. And uh, I personally would never use them. I would usually just go to the bandsaw. But we used them on the show in one little, I don't know if it ever made it to the edit, but we had them here and, the, you know, the art team was using them. By the way, I have to say, Dave, you look like Walter White. No, I'll it's take that. <laughs> hey, don't don't mess with me. Today, and, look, <laughs> and the whole time, he looks like Walter White. I'm going to have to photograph this to post on Friday. <laughs> 
I got I got new glasses. I'm growing the beard back. I don't have a hat on today. Mm. Yeah, all that meth around you. Yeah, yeah. What, I, I didn't my, watch the show. My meth the show. lab. Hold the coffee cup up. That's what really makes it somehow. I don't know why. That's it. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> a podcast of us taking pictures of each other. Hmm. Fascinating. Fascinating. Radio. Um, all right. Well, anything else going on? I mean, we've been yammering for like 50 minutes. I, I do have one more question about the wire cutting and, and the foam. Is there yeah. is the fumes pretty heavy? No, actually, I was surprised. Okay. I mean, I, you could barely smell it, but it, it didn't feel like it was off-gassing a whole lot. Yeah. It may have been. I'm not saying it wasn't, but it wasn't very strong. Because really, the heat, you know, it's breaking up the the cells, and once it breaks them, they, they move back away from the blade. So... It's it is melting the stuff, but it's also kind of getting it out of the way, and I don't it's know. Kind of like plowing it, through it, yeah, yeah. I know exactly what you're saying. Yeah. Yeah. Up close, but no, it actually wasn't bad. Mm. Uh, the other stuff I used was way worse because you know Anthony and uh, Megan were both in the shop with me while we were shooting it and complaining about the spray adhesive and complaining about the the glazing putty and oh, the yeah. <laughs> epoxy yeah. and all the other smells that were going on. Um, but yeah, um, another thing. Uh, so they announced yesterday, I'll be going out to the Silicon, uh, like a Comic Con in San Jose, in August, late August, and this is the one that Adam Savage is taking over, took over. I don't know. He's like running it, and so it's like a, a Comic Con with a bunch of science stuff. But they're adding a maker space to it this year. And so right in the middle of this Comic-Con thing, they're going to have a makerspace with a stage, and then different people are going to be doing talks and doing making things on stage, doing demos, and then people in the makerspace can make along with them. Uh, it's going to be pretty cool. And Christopher Lloyd, Doc Brown's going to be there. Oh, wow. That's cool. There's a bunch of other famous people and stuff. But anyway, I'm going to be going out and doing a talk and all that, but they announced that and a bunch of the other people that are going to be there. I'm looking forward to meeting people. But in that trip, we're going to go to California. We're formulating the trip now. We're going to go to California on one end and travel to the other, not to the other end, but we're going to travel a lot of California and try to meet up with different people and shoot different things and try to make the most of that trip. Usually when we go out, it's just for a maker fair or just for a whatever, you know, it's focused on one thing. And so this is the first time we're going to try to make a multi-stop, shoot a whole bunch of content with a bunch of different people, you know. Um, so it'll be interesting to see if that works and if I have the stamina for it. Oh, <laughs> that will be exhausting, like, but it'll be nice to batch yeah. out a bunch of videos that you can just edit over yeah. time. Yeah, hopefully. Yeah. We'll see how it works. But anyway, I'm excited about going to that event. I think it'll be really cool. And I was telling, I had a call with them recently and and... I was talking to uh, like the team of people who were putting it together, and they asked me what I wanted to do, and I said, well, usually when I get invited to these events, you know, to WorkbenchCon or to whatever type of thing, they want like 30 minutes of something. They want you to be on a panel or want you to do a talk or maybe do a class or something, but it's just it's like one thing, and you travel somewhere, and you're there for a weekend, and you do 30 minutes of work or whatever. And that's always really bugged me. And I don't like that part of it. I would like to be more useful. And I, and so I told them in this meeting, I'm like, if I'm coming to California and I'm going to be in your place for the weekend, like 
put me to work. Put me on stages, put me in panels, put me in the things, and I'll do, you know. And it was funny because it was the first group of people who said, all right, well, you said it. We're going <laughs> to. So I have a feeling I'm going to be very, very busy that weekend. But that's cool. I'm looking forward to being able yeah. to try to do a lot of stuff and meet a lot of new people. And it's a different type of event than what most of us go to. And so it sounds pretty exciting. Yeah. Looking forward to it. Uh, but that's my big news for the week. If you have to uh, talk on stage for 30 minutes, do you or will you reuse previous talks or will you write all new stuff? Usually I write new ones, but I told them about one that I did recently and uh, they really liked the idea. And I think it would be irrelevant, so I think I'm going to probably not use it straight. I'm going to modify it mm-hmm. and stuff, but I think it's a good it's a good idea. Same one I did at WorkbenchCon. I think I'm going to modify that some. But I like to write new ones. It's just hard to come up with new topics that I've not talked about before completely, you know. Uh, so I don't know how people do that when they go to do speaking engagements and it's always a unique, brand new, you know, like topic or something. That seems like that would be really hard to do. But You find you're able to talk about similar things and make them relatable. Yeah, true. Cool. Well, um... I guess I'll thank our Patreon supporters, and you guys can find something in your history to recommend. <laughs> Jimmy's face. He's like, oh, yeah, forget about that. Uh, no, no, I got thanks. a good one. Okay. Big thanks to everybody that supports us on Patreon, because they're awesome. Um, we have an, a really fantastic group of people over there that support us, and a lot of them, most of them, have been around for a really long time. It's continued uh, support, and, and that means an awful lot. Um, and everybody over there at every level, no matter how much you're supporting, gets the After Show, which is another podcast. After this, 15, 20 minutes, there's always secret stuff. I don't know if we have any secret stuff today, but there's usually secret stuff. And, uh, yeah, we're really grateful for all of them. And our top supporters over there are Corey Ward, Albers Woodworks, Works by Solo, Chad from Mancrafting, You Can Make This Too, Fun Kiss Artistic Creations, Blondie Hacks, Rich at Lowen Designs, Odin Leather Goods, and full steam designs, but there's a lot of other people like David Tanner and and Chris Patties. There are other people. There's a bunch of them over there, and they're awesome. So if you want to join up that crew, go to Patreon.com/slash/MakingIt. Help us out, or you know, go leave us a review somewhere that's helpful as well. Um, big thanks to everybody over at Patreon. I I got called out a lot, which I knew this would happen. I got called out a lot when my my recent machining video where I was trying to figure out how to use some tools. Like, so many people said, well, why don't you just talk to Blondie Hacks? Why don't you just go watch Blondie Hacks? And I'm like, well, yeah, I have. (laughs) I I got it. But it was really cool to see Quinn get uh, so many recommendations. Like, she's building herself up as an authority in that space. And that's mm-hmm. really—it's my number one go-to when I when I got my lathe. Yeah. It's the first place I went, and I just watched all her videos. So good. Yeah, I have watched a lot of her videos, but I watched them because it, it, at the time I watched them because I wanted to learn them, but I couldn't use them. And so then it's been long enough that all of the gap there's a like a knowledge gap there where like, yeah, I did watch a video about using a lathe, and I don't remember any of it because I didn't turn around and do it. And so now I, have, I need to go back and 
specifically look for like you know this one relatable thing that I can put into practice right away because I'll help her remember it because they're really good. She covers stuff very plainly, very clearly. Um, but it made me really happy to see her recommended so much. You know, uh, I thought that was really really cool, and I'm I'm glad that she's. She's being seen the way that she should be seen as far as being an authority. I really enjoyed that video because I have a lot of fears about getting new tools or mm-hmm. using new tools. And I was like, I totally relate to all of this. So it was that was a really good video, Bob. Oh, thanks. I appreciate it. Well, what do you have to recommend? Uh, talking about machining, you got to check out Inheritance Machining. Uh, 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 Kevin Lazat is, is always good on the recommendations and he said to me actually last week he says you got to talk about inheritance machining and because the phones listen i immediately started getting recommended <laughs> inheritance machining I swear to god yep. kevin you and i texted about it and i hadn't known of the channel or at least i wasn't completely cognizant of it and then it started popping up in my recommendations and then i just watched a video where he makes a tap handle in the exact same style as a a very well-known Starrett version, and he does an absolutely beautiful job and shows his mistakes and comes out incredible. Like if you see the finished part, you'd be like, oh, my God, this guy knows exactly what he's doing. But he describes, he obviously has a certain sense of skill, but he describes where he's messed up. Simple, stupid mistakes where you panic and you turn the dial in the wrong direction. He's done that, and he showed it all on camera. Hmm. But ultimately, he ended up with a beautiful piece. So check out Inheritance Machining, and he inherited all the machines and I just gathered this from the video I watched from his grandfather. Mm. So he's in his grandfather's shop, and he kind of is working along with the spirit of his grandfather, which I thought was really cool. Not many videos. Oh, this does look really cool. Yeah. Inheritance machine. Hmm. I I do want to say, in case Kevin is listening, Kevin has been really helpful over the years and given me lots of direction and offered a lot of help and stuff. And I... I intentionally did not reach out to him or to you, Jimmy, or to anybody right. else I know that does machining stuff before that video because I wanted it to be legitimately like I just got to figure this out because I think that's yeah, where yeah, a I lot thought, of people are. I thought that was are. cool. I thought that's well, what I liked about the videos that you just like, well, like I don't know, let me figure this out. But I'm a lot surprised of you didn't say that you went. I'm surprised you didn't say I went to YouTube to figure this out. I went to YouTube because that's what I figured. I expect to hear you say that. Well, I mean, that's what all the comments were. They were just like, well, why don't you just read the manual? Why don't you just go to YouTube? Why don't you? Read it? And, yeah, I get that. I could do that, but then. Like, I, if I did that, nobody would ever see it. Nobody would be encouraged to figure something out on their own. And, you know, I can't say that in a video. Like, But the reason I didn't reach out to people like Kevin, who are really knowledgeable and have offered help anytime, you know, there's a yeah. question, is because I wanted to – I was trying to make the make video in mistakes. the spirit. Well, I was trying yeah. to make it in the spirit of people who don't have resource necessarily, yeah. you know, who don't know people like Kevin who are really knowledgeable. Who people who don't have Jimmy's phone I mean, number. I'm going to be snarky. People who don't know what the search button is for while they're watching your YouTube. <laughs> All right, whatever. <laughs> anyway. Just kidding. Yeah. Walter but. White. <laughs> <laughs> My pick this week is Stu Mac. And I, I, either Bob has mm. picked this channel before or I have. But I need to pick it again because I don't have anything oh, else. Okay. I couldn't find anything in my history. But... Um, uh, an old video popped up, the baking soda and super glue trick. And so you can just mix baking soda with super glue to, to harden it up. And he's he's um, 
fixing a broken guitar nut. And then after I watched that video, of course, YouTube wants to serve me a bunch of other Stu Mac videos. It's a guitar channel. And there's lots of great woodworking tricks in there. So even if you don't play guitar, you're, there's there's something in there for you to, to learn. And uh, this older gentleman who who you can just tell by watching him has so much knowledge from decades of, of working on guitars. I watched one with him uh, finishing a guitar, and it was fascinating. And it wasn't like I would never go through the steps that he went through to get the finish that he was getting. But I also had no idea that it was even possible to do that much work on a clear coat on uh. a guitar. <laughs> but it was amazing watching somebody who, yeah, just has done it for so long and has just a deep knowledge and a lot of experience there about a very specific thing. We've worked with Stu Mac before. Um, they've sponsored some videos and stuff and they're they're great and they sell like everything you could possibly need to build a guitar or a bass or anything like that yeah i've recently purchased a uh table saw blade for fret cutting through them so it's it's a super it's a super thin table saw blade oh wow that's nice i didn't know you could make it huh i would have never thought to use a table saw for that application, yeah. I mean, is there? Yeah, you make a you make a little a little jig, so um, you can e- easily move your 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 neck over as you as you cut the cut the frets. That's cool. Yeah. Hmm. Or you can buy a jig. They also I, that's they also sell a jig where you can yeah. you can buy for the table saw. Yeah, that's interesting. That seems like the wrong tool in my head for something like that. But um, obviously, it's not. Yeah. But I, and I know I've talked about this, and I just haven't I haven't done it yet. But I want to do two guitar builds: one on the CNC, and then one with normal woodworking tools. And so, um, I, my first thought would just to, to cut those lines on the CNC because you're going to get it. It's going to be super precise. But if I want to show both sides, I, get, I had to do it one way. So you can um, you can get a fret cutting. Uh, saw and do it by hand as well, but I thought it would be really cool to do it on a table saw. Yeah, for sure. Many ways cool. to do everything. When are you going to do that? When are you When are you going to do that? Uh, next week? No, it's not going to be oh, next week. Wow, awesome! Um, Dang it! Just, just, just. <laughs> I was looking forward. To just it. keep putting pressure on me. Eventually, I'll do it. That I can do. All right. Um, mine is, uh, we've talked about Chris Fix many times, but I was thinking the other day, while the engine is going to be out of my Land Cruiser, I'm like, oh, this would be a cool time to, like, Renovate. clean the inside of the engine bay. I've never done anything like that. And, you know, maybe there's other work I can do if I have, because I could stand inside <laughs> the front of the car with no engine in it. And so I started looking up uh, how to clean engine bays properly, you know, safely. And, of course... Chris's video was like the first one to come up and it was really cool because he goes through I love he he like doesn't waste any time there's no exposition it's just it's just fast 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 and he gets right to it and he's it, it's really cool but he talks about how to clean an engine bay of a bunch of different types of cars old cars to new cars you know depending on how much room you have and what it is you're trying to like not get wet and can get wet and all of this bunch of different products to use and everything. It was surprisingly interesting for the way I'm describing <laughs> it. <laughs> it was it was like really good video. And uh it just reminded me how good his videos are at, at covering a whole lot of stuff in a very quick amount of time. So I'll put a link to that one, but you know, you should just go watch some Chris Fix. Hey guys. That's what he does. Hey guys. 
Cool. I got well, one thing. What's that? One thing. Uh, I developed a lot of friendships since the TV show has come out. And uh, I developed a friendship with a gentleman named Luke Hummer, and he runs a website called Emma's Footprints. It's a 501c3 nonprofit organization providing emotional support and uh, compassionate guidance to people who have had failed pregnancies. I know it's a pretty crazy topic. Mm. It's a pretty serious topic. But check out emmasfootprints.com. I've been uh, promising him I would promote this. So check that out if, if you're a family that is in need of uh, that type of counseling. Check out emmasfootprints.com. Cool. I've been promising him that for a while. Excellent. I will put that in the show notes. Mm -hmm. Uh, Show notes. Somebody was asking about show notes recently because they apparently are not coming through in the RSS feed for, like, in your podcast player correctly. Hmm. Sorry about that. I'm aware of it. I'm going to try to figure it out. You can always Hmm. go to the website and you should be able to see all the show note links there. I know that's not quite as simple, but if you need to find a link, that's how you do it until I can get the feed thing figured out, and I will work on that. Thanks for letting me know. It is messed up. Mm-hmm. Uh, you guys got anything else? Not for this show. For this week. Mm-hmm. Not for I this show. I tell you about my new toy secrets. in the after show. That's secrets. Mm-hmm. Okay. Cool. Well, uh, thanks for listening, everybody. We'll see you next time. Mm-hmm. Later. Yeah.